Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Namihi nui and welcome. From RNZ National, here's our changing world. Niwa's research ship Tangaroa left port a few days ago, heading south to the subantarctic Auckland Islands to conduct a survey of the species that are on the menu for the New Zealand sea lion. The sea lion population around the Auckland Islands, their main breeding grounds, has dropped dramatically in the past few years, and marine scientists think it might have something to do with their diet. The sea lion's most important but least known prey is the deep-sea yellow octopus. Niwa fishery scientist Jim Roberts tells Veronica how the crew hope to learn more about it. But first, she meets marine ecologist Mark Fenwick to find out about our octopuses. We've got species here that are endemic to New Zealand and we've got species that have interesting relationships with um, some species in the outer Pacific and North Pacific. And that's where the genetics comes in, looking at how closely related some of these animals are. Can you talk me through the family tree? Just so, where they belong and how they sit? Well, so in, if you start at the top, um, they're a cephalopod. So, you know, they're related to squids and uh, nautilus and bobtail squid. Cuttlefish. And cuttlefish. Then if you find it down a wee bit, there is a group called octopus. And you can split them into two major groups, the serrata and the inserrata. Can you describe that? That to me, if I think of a leaf, serrated leaf, is it the same distinction? No, a, a serrated octopus has a suri, which is a sort of a feeding apparatus on its arms. And they're only the deep water octopus. You're not going to get these at the beach. The other group of octopus, the inserrates, go from the littoral zone out to deep water. They're the ones, if you're a snorkeler or a diver, that you will see in the water, changing colour and going crazy if you poke them too much. Is that the ones that we're seeing here in the jars too? What we've got here in jars is an inserate octopus. And you might see this from a wharf, or you might see this at night under lights. And here's a serrate octopus, and you can see the, the process that I'm talking about oh, yeah. on the arm. Mm-hmm. Now these are the gelatinous forms that you really don't see unless you're running a deep sea camera or you're fishing uh, for fish below sort of 300 metres. In New Zealand we've got about 35 species. I think it's um, very interesting the octopus fauna in New Zealand because they are composed by tropical species and cold water species because New Zealand have a big influence from Antarctic waters and the north part of the, the country is is a, they have influence from tropical waters. Mark mentioned earlier that there's in, interesting relationships between octopuses here and in other parts of the southern hemisphere, but are we talking about the same species 
actually migrating all around the southern hemisphere or just related, closely related species? That's the question really. I think in New Zealand we're, we're very focused on the Gondwanan model uh, where we see birds and uh, lizards and things that are, have obviously been here for a long, long time. It might not be the same picture for octopus. And so you can answer that in several different ways. We can answer that by using morphology, measuring arm lengths or counting sucker rows or looking at things like radular shape. Or we can do it with genetics. So we get a big suite of tools and and try and find something that is actually definitive. Genetics has reshuffled some taxonomies, though, where if you look at morphology, the creatures might look the same, Mm -hmm. as best as we can tell, but then genetics say tell a completely different story. Do you expect something like that to happen in the octopus family tree? Uh, It's particularly difficult for um, uh, octopus and squids for cephalopods because they're their morphology is so variable within and between species. We're seeing some interesting results with um, squid, for instance. We catch warty squid here. It has been two species, but genetics is showing maybe four or five species within a group and that look very similar. So a lot could happen a lot with could the happen. Octop- octopus yes. family tree. <laughs> now, today we're particularly interested in one species of octopus that... You're hoping to get some more of, but you do have some samples here. Could we have a look at some yellow octopus? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So Enteroctopus zelandicus is its proper name, right? Yeah. It's so big. They are quite big, aren't they? Beautiful animal, really. Yes. Can you just talk me through? This is quite a large octopus. So tell me a little bit about the yellow octopus. Well, the yellow octopus, <laughs> what, what, what we know, well, um, I suppose you can look at it and, and think it's, it's a pretty big animal and there must be a lot of them out there. The sea lion population, it looks as though they're, they're mostly eating these animals. So they would soon die out if there weren't heaps of them. You can see it's a muscular octopus. It has a very fleshy mantle, thick legs, amazing disc-shaped suckers and if we go internal you can see that it has a beak inside here and that will have a radula in behind it Mm -hmm. so this is the mechanism that it uses for chomping up food apart from the link with the sea lion you're interested to just find out about the population because they're not very often seen we're interested in how much genetic diversity there is within these the populations of these, they've got a really wide distribution around New Zealand and we can tell, uh, looking at the genetics, how often they're getting together and, and making babies basically. Low genetic diversity could be an indicator that they're being overfished by sea lions. High genetic diversity could mean something else. This survey will be um, a sea lion prey survey and the reasons for doing this is that uh, New Zealand sea lions is endemic to New Zealand. Most of the breeding is at the Orkney Islands and that population has declined by something like half in the last 15 or 20 years. And it shows numerous indicators of food limitation. So the females are quite small, the breeding females are quite small and they start breeding quite late in life relative to say the Otago Peninsula population where they're quite large. Um, And we can also see evidence for changes in diet composition through time as well. 
And so the survey that we're going to be doing, we're going to be using a number of different techniques. So the core of the survey will be a demersal trawl survey in which we catch a number of the things that sea lions like to eat, such as hokey, southern arrow squid, red cod, ling, other things, and hake. And then we are also going to be doing an octopus potting survey because the trawl gear isn't very selective for, for yellow octopus. We don't catch very many, usually one for a whole trip or something like that. We'll be doing a camera survey of the seafloor. We'll also be doing uh, spot bathymetry, so bouncing sound waves off the seafloor to characterise the bathymetry and um, the seafloor habitat as well. And then we'll be taking oceanographic measurements as we go. How do we know what sea lions eat? Actually, um, I was reading something quite interesting the other day. I was having a look through an old report um, by the British Antarctic Survey who were down at the Orkney Islands in 1908 or something like that. And there's a little bit where they talk about finding a dead sea lion and opening it up and finding lots of octopus inside. And there's a little asterisk that says at the bottom, Captain Bollins assures me that whenever he opens up a sea lion, he finds octopus inside it. Um, so we know that they've been eating them for quite a long time. Maybe our yellow octopus that we're talking about here. Um, but the squid fishery started after that. So is there any chance that they might have actually changed their feeding behaviour to turn on to more yeah. squid than octopus? Well, I mean, so... The truth is we don't really know. Previous to the um, 1990s, there were no real diet studies at all. Uh, nothing was published anyway. But even in the last 15 years, we can see changes through time. So there's a girl, Phoebe Stewart-Sinclair, who's at Massey. Um, and as a student, she, she sifted through 15 years of a sea lion poop and, and spews and found evidence for variation in the importance of, of yellow octopus through time. I think after 2005 or 2006, it seemed like the frequency of, of yellow octopus in scats um, really reduced around that time. And that's actually a time period when the demographic rates of sea lions were really poor, so survival and, of adults and pups, and pupping rate as well. But in terms of how do we know yellow octopus are important, so there are different ways of doing diet studies um, other than just looking in stomach contents. Some researchers have been looking in the stomachs of bicaught sea lions, which um, were captured in commercial trawls targeting squid predominantly. So you'd expect quite a big squid bias there, but actually, if you look at their, the partially digested fraction, i.e. the stuff that wasn't just eaten when it was in the net, yellow octopus seems to be more important than even an arrow squid in, in those individuals. And then when you look at scats and regurgitates and piece it together from you know, remains of prey, yellow octopus come out as one of the top two in those studies as well. So it's consistent. In the last 10 or 15 years at least, yellow octopus appears to be, if not one of the top two, then the main prey at the Orkney Islands. And one of the, the goals you have is to bring back some of the yellow octopus because this, of all the prey species, is probably the one that we know least about. That's right. Um, and I think even if we only catch, say, 20 or 30 or something like that, and we're able to bring those back, there's a lot of things that we can do so we can characterise their diet, um, open up their stomachs and see what they've been eating. We could take out their statilis, their, their kind of like ear bones that we can count the rings of to see how old they are and see how long they live and whether they have recruitment pulses themselves, so they become, they're likely to increase or decrease in abundance through time, meaning that the sea lions have to work harder. And then also we can do some potentially some population genetic studies. So we know they're there, but we don't even know how many, where they go, when uh, they're there. No, that's right. Well, we don't know how many. We know that there's at least a million every year anyway, because that's how many we think that the, the sea lions are probably eating, somewhere in that order. Um, but we've only ever gotten our hands on about 40 or 50. We've got an idea of where we think that they, that they definitely are for our octopus study. And the first test for us is going to be to see that we can actually catch them. And to that end, 
Uh, we designed these octopus pots. Well, actually, they're based on a design that was used successfully in the west of Australia to catch the, the Maori octopus, which we also see in our tide pools around, quite shallow around New Zealand. It's a similar sort of size beast. Our yellow octopus that we're going for grows up to about five um, kilos. And the pot design that we're using is actually a design that's been around for millennia. People have been trying to catch octopus using pots uh, for a very long time. Can you talk me through the design? We're just yeah, looking sure. at some so here. The pot itself is two lengths of PVC tube stuck Quite together. Quite a big diameter, like what, 15 centimetres diameter? 15 cent- centimetres diameter or something like that. I guess about 65, 70 centimetres long. Um, and they have a concrete bung through the middle, like a sort of a concrete tablet shaped bung. Um, so that with those two tubes with a concrete bung, then you have four chambers. In our wildest dreams, each one of these will contain four yellow octopus. Oh, you that. wish. Yeah, we, we wish. So we're hopeful that this design, um, when set on the seafloor and left for five or six days, will be effective in catching 30 or 40 or something like that, that we can... So the idea is that it's an ideal hidey hole for the octopus and they'll use Exactly. It. So, I mean, what their close relatives of our, of our yellow octopus do is they build dens, or they, they basically use these little holes in, in crags and they sit inside their dens and they're very messy. They leave these little middens of, of shells, of remains of their prey out the front. Either because they've grown or because they've depleted the, the prey that are around there, they will shift um, from den to den. So um, we're hoping that some yellow octopus will be on the move around the time that we deploy this gear and when we pull that up, um, we'll catch a few. Of course, we don't really know if they're just going to slide back out again when we pull them up. We hope not. How deep are you going to go with these? So when are you actually going to start deploying them on the voyage? Uh, so we'll have to, because they need a good soak time, we'll have to uh, put them in quite early. Almost as soon as we get there, we'll put um, our first set of, of pot units down. We'll be taking them down to 500 metres depth. New Zealand sea lions are actually the deepest diving of any otorai. That's a, um, an eared seal that includes fur seals and sea lions. And they'll go down to in excess of 600 metres. So we'll be going down to, to 500. So 600 is quite a rarity and we'll be going from quite near the surface between 0 and 100 metres down to 500 metres depth and trying to build up some idea of their, their depth distribution. And that's, that's a really key thing because for sea lions, the depth availability tells you about how hard they have to work to get those prey species and we don't know what that is for yellow octopus yet. So that could give you some indication as to why it is that the numbers are dropping so quickly. How sure are you that it is about food, about food availability? not about something to do with water temperature or all these other possible factors? Well, we see sea lions all over the place. So you actually see males down at Macquarie, and they breed up as far north as Otago Peninsula, and the diet really varies across that, across that range, so that it's, it's completely different from, from top to bottom. But then, of course, the prey species themselves will be sensitive to changes in, in climate. A number of the prey are also commercially targeted, so there's a potential interaction there. But then prey species will also change in terms of their availability to to predators just through, as a result of variation in climate that changes their spawning cycle or just their distribution where they go and feed through time. And out of all those prey species, it's the yellow octopus that we know least about. The other ones, we've got a bit of idea. Of, of the main prey, in terms of you know the, the mass that's consumed, I would say it's definitely the one that we we know least about. Could it possibly be a seasonal food for the sea lion? I mean, could there be something like, you know, it's a on or off breeding season food? Well, a lot of our information on sea lions comes from the time of breeding. So we go down and we count pups and we, we monitor early pup survival and other things like that early in the season. That's actually when most of our information on diet comes as well. So we get like a, a summer snapshot. But a lot of the prey species at the Orkney Islands, such as hokey and southern arrow squid, you think maybe may not be so quite so abundant around the Orkney Islands in the middle of winter. 
whereas yellow octopus may remain resident at that time of year. But the truth is we don't really know. Um, but it's very, it's very possible that it could increase in importance during the winter period, uh, which is a period actually that's very critical because the pups are actually larger during that time and exert a greater um, energetic cost to the mother which is sort of the, the main tension. So back to the pots, they seem pretty simple, but you were saying they're successful with other species, so you're optimistic you might get some if you get over the hurdle of actually bringing them up again. Yeah, well, it's good, to, it's good to always be optimistic, I guess. We don't really know. Some people at Niwa are a bit sceptical, and other people think, oh, I know, this will be fine. Um, one thing we do know is that it sinks, so that's a good start. So it should sit on the seafloor, and we'll just see what we get. That was fishery scientist Jim Roberts, and before that you heard from marine ecologist Mark Fenwick. Both are at Niwa. That's all for now, but you can stay in touch with us on Twitter at rnz underscore science. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.